Welcome to the Bluebird Uncaged podcast. We are a collective whose mission is to bring hope and dignity through dance. We believe art shapes culture and want to steward our gifts with wisdom and excellence to point people to Jesus. From hosting festivals and live performances to producing multimedia content to serving internationally, we seek to foster community among dance artists. We'd love to meet you and connect on our social media platforms at Bluebird Uncaged. But until then, enjoy today's episode. Hi, friends. Welcome back to the Bluebird Uncaged podcast. Today, I have a very special guest, Kirsten Kemp. And um, I originally met Kirsten, I think, through Instagram. We have a few mutual friends, but we've actually never met in person Um, But she lives in Texas and she trained at the Houston Ballet Academy, has danced professionally with Oklahoma City Ballet, and is now a mindset coach for dancers. So today is the first part of um, two episodes with Kirsten. Today we will hear more of uh, her, we will hear her story. And then next week we'll go more in depth about mindset coaching and the biblical approach to it because that's a kind of get kind of money in today's um, culture and world and that it's a relatively new industry. But you guys can find Kirsten online at Twin Talks Ballet on Instagram and YouTube or visit her website at um, kirstencamp.com. And um, she loves Jesus so much. I am very grateful for all that she is doing for the dance community. And I'm really glad that she is part of the Bluebird community as well. And I hope you are encouraged by her story. All right. Hi, Kirsten. Thanks so much for being here. My pleasure. Thank you, Rebecca. So um, just for our listeners, Kirsten and I have never met in person, but like, how exactly did we meet? I think it was Instagram. Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. That's where I met a lot of fine people such as yourself. I think you reached out to me and I was just so grateful you did. Um, I'm really encouraged and inspired by what you're doing with Bluebird Uncaged, your company, this podcast, um, and just you as a person. So grateful to get to know you. Well, thanks. Well, I mean, Kirsten really inspires me as well. And you guys will hear a lot about her story and we're actually going to do two episodes with her. So you'll get to hear a lot. Um, But to start off with, what has been the craziest costume you've ever had to wear? Oh my gosh, Rebecca, I was so excited (laughs) to answer this one. I've had some very weird ones in the past. Um, I feel like honorable mentions are in order. One, I was a literal amoeba at the Houston Ballet Academy so I was like in one of those bag costumes where it's uh like spandex and you get inside of it and you zip it up and you just like make weird (laughs) shapes with your body it's so weird it was fun and terrifying um wait was your face covered too oh yeah the whole shebang and (laughs) there were four of us and we were supposed to kind of like roll on top of each other and my friend, who's a guy, ended up sitting on my face while I was in this costume. Oh, no. <laughs> like, wow. Well, thank the Lord. I feel as if I've been healed from claustrophobia. <laughs> I honestly used to have it really, really badly when I was a kid. But anyway, um, the 
all-time weirdest has to be this this costume for a piece from James Kudelka and it was for a piece called Spring and it's from uh, our music Spring by yeah yeah so exactly so it was Four Seasons was the ballet and our piece was Spring that's what I was doing and oh my lord it was a costume that I don't know why I posted a picture on Facebook. Honestly, it's one of those things I look back on and I'm like, wow, that's straight <laughs> up. I think it was inappropriate, honestly, but <laughs> the dancer, even as a Christian, I don't, I, I dress pretty modestly. Um, but when I'm in dancer mode, oh my gosh, it's just, I kind of forget that to some people wearing a bike tard that's right. my skin color <laughs> is really weird. So it was that, it was a little bike tard with super short shorts on the bottom. And then it was a halter top with a really low V-neck. <laughs> Yikes, I know, it gets worse. And then it had this long sleeve sheer, like mini shirt situation that was a turtleneck on top of it. Very weird. So anyway, that's my answer. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, so you mentioned you, you were at Houston ballet, but Mm -hmm. um, tell us about your dance journey so far. Like, how did you, why did you start dancing and why did you keep dancing? Yes. I love this question. So (laughs) I started at six years old and I think it was just one of those things where um, my mom saw me doing a twirl or something in the kitchen I think because I probably saw it in I'm embarrassed to say this a Barbie movie well maybe <laughs> remove shame from that because I was a kid you know <laughs> Barbie movies it's okay uh so I'm pretty sure I saw Barbie doing something like a suit to do with her arms in fifth position and so I did the same thing in the kitchen and my mom was like oh that's ballet like, what ballet what's that so um there was also this funny time where my mom pointed out that on a commercial, the kids were doing hip hop. And I was like, oh, hip hop, like it's an actual dance, not a style. I thought it was a real dance. And I got this story in my head that my mom was going to teach me hip hop, which <laughs> never came to pass. I don't know why I thought that was the thing. But yeah, with ballet, she was like, oh, do you want to try it? So I was able to take classes with my twin sister. And honestly, I hated it for four years from six to 10 years old don't know why I stayed in it. It must have been God's hand in my life. Because did your sister time, stay in it too? Yeah, she did. <laughs> and um, I think sometimes I had fun, but there were so many days where I just didn't want to go. And I remember paying my mom $2 to not go. <laughs> like it cost me money. <laughs> Don't waste money. You need to go. And uh, yeah, the classes definitely cost more than $2, but she accepted my... Um, my penance there, my, my little <laughs> contribution. So anyway, but at, at 10 years old, we had a teacher who finally was teaching us technique and mm-hmm. I loved it. It just ignited my passion for ballet, which is funny because I feel like it's kind of the most uh, different for most kids. It's the other way around. They love the creative, imaginative relationship to dance. And then when it gets to technique, that's not fun anymore. But yeah. I yeah. love technique. I, yeah. I had more fun when I started working on technique. Too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So that's how I got started. And, and then from there, I grew up at a small studio. So I had no awareness of the professional realm at all until I had a friend who did. She went away to a summer program and the things she would tell me about the professional realm, you know, at least professional training realm. (laughs) She wasn't a pro yet. 
I was so enraptured by it. So yeah, at 13, my sister and I decided this is what we wanted to do with our lives. You know, I didn't really know anything, but my love for ballet stayed true until um, I ended up having to stop at 24 due to a really difficult knee injury. But um, my dream did come true for a little bit. I was able to dance professionally only for a season and a half because of the knee injury. But honestly, we could talk more about how God worked through that. Yeah, yeah. I'm grateful for my journey. At 13, you started dancing like pre-professionally training. It was more like I stayed at the same tiny studio that was (laughs) recreational, but I started taking a bunch of different levels. Like I would take the lowest level and then my teacher let me take a higher level. Um, At 14, I feel super fortunate with this. Our company, I'm sorry if you hear my cats. (laughs) Um, But at 14, I was able to start taking morning classes with our our little company had like three professional dancers and that was it, but I was able to take with them. So it doubled up my training and my goal was really to get into good summer intensives every year. And so every year I just kept getting better and better. Um, And I would just kind of hold on to anything I learned at those summer programs and just keep implementing it throughout the whole year. And uh, that's something I would advise to any dancer who wants to explore the professional realm or become a professional, but you feel like, you know, it's not doable for you to move to New York City at 13. My parents weren't (laughs) going to let me do that. Um, So that, that really helped me in my training. Yeah. I mean, that, that's actually part of my story too. I was at Mm -hmm. a really small studio and I took the level lower than me and my own level every day as well. So that helped me a lot too. So, I mean, you don't have to, I think this is important for other people to know too, that you don't have to go to a professional training school or right. even be in a program that's labeled pre-professional in order to keep improving your technique. Like your teacher there to help you. You can always help improve yourself as well. <laughs> yes. I would say that is absolutely true with the caveat of gain perspective yes. as soon as you can. You don't need to be in the room of a professional school your whole teenage life but if you get a taste of it and you know what the industry expectations are that will carry you far because then you have you have a vision to go towards and you understand what will be expected of you when you go audition and that's where I kind of see a lot of dancers struggle is they get perspective very late in their journey so yeah yeah okay so shifting gears a little bit um when did you meet Jesus or when did he become real to you? And then how have you seen your faith intersect with dancing? Love this question. <laughs> so I grew up in a Christian home. I feel very blessed to have that in my life. Um, my whole family is very sincere in their faith. Now that doesn't mean that I was a, like what I would call a disciple my whole life. And what I mean by disciple specifically, because I know there are so many different words that people use and it means something different to everybody. So some people say believer, I say disciple because at the point where at 25, I decided after being a believer my whole life, I, I believed Jesus was Lord. I believed God is real. I believed the Bible, all these things, but I was not, um, I had not yet fully 
I'm not sure I've ever fully understood, but I had not yet internalized the understanding of the consequence of my sin as a person. Therefore, since I hadn't understood that, it didn't mean a whole lot to me that Jesus was my quote unquote savior because I had not understood how incredible his grace is because what's, <laughs> what's the, the value of grace if there isn't a problem to give grace to, right. you know, <laughs> so at 25, that's when I shifted from belief, you know, praying, saying that I love Jesus, all these things to actually living my life as best I could. I feel every single day as we all do, um, all have fallen short of the glory of God. <laughs> you know, we know this, um, but that's where my life changed. And I started to live a life of repentance and seeking every single day to grow in my sanctification. Oh, wow. So had you, were you still dancing at that time or had? Yeah, that at 25, that was, um, about a year after I had stopped dancing professionally. And, oh, I remember the second part to your question about yeah, no, it's um, fine. <laughs> how do I see faith and ballet intersect? Um, that's the correct question. Is that right? Okay. I did remember. So, um, what I saw in my own journey is a slow transition from ballet unknowingly being my God to God being my God, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> um, which set me free in so many ways. And that is something I want so many dancers to know is to acknowledge what comes first in your life. Is it always ballet? Will you always... Um, bend the knee to ballet? Will you um, worship um, your goals? Will you worship and just seek to be what ballet tells you, the ballet industry tells you you need to be? Or will you first get your worth and value from Jesus Christ mm -hmm. and how he calls you a son or a daughter? You know, you are his child and that matters most before you try to look a certain way and distort yourself and order every single thought, feeling, action in your entire day to serve your ballet goals. So for me, where I've seen faith in ballet intersect at this point in my life, because I'm no longer um, trying to be a professional anymore. And I, I hardly even dance for myself these days. Now I do teach and I really enjoy dancing with my students. So I definitely dance. I love ballet. I will always love ballet. But at this point, I feel so blessed to have this perspective where I see ballet both as an, from an insider and outsider perspective in a way. And now I think, wow, ballet is something that when I was worshiping it, when it really took that number one spot in my life, it brought so much destruction you know, from my body image, my identity as a person, how valuable I felt as a person, how lovable I felt. Um, it even made me question like if God loved me at times, um, just because of how I was measuring my success as a person. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I, I learned that most anything in this world can be pretty neutral. Like, for example, the printing press, one of my mentors shared this with me, the printing press 
could be a beautiful invention. It could be used to print Bibles and it could be used to print Playboy magazines. Right. (laughs) So are we to say that an invention like that is evil just because of the capacity it has for facilitating evil? Mm -hmm. Um, No. And so I've learned over time that ballet to me is this beautiful expression of worship to God, because we get to use these bodies that God has given us to glorify him and to emulate the beauty of our creator and to even experience that within ourselves as we emulate it. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, using it to be a light for God instead of to be perfect. I I heard this quote recently that we're not to perfect ourselves, but to reflect his perfection that's how I see ballet and faith intersecting right now cool so I mean just going back a little bit to your professional career and I know that most dancers are perfectionist and we Mm -hmm. beat ourselves up all the time yeah Um, but talk about um just how you uh so we'll move a little bit into what you're doing now after Mm -hmm. pursuing a professional career but how did your professional experience launch you into what you're doing now and tell us about what you're doing now. Yeah, absolutely. So what I'm doing now is I'm a mindset coach for dancers, which basically means that I coach dancers one-on-one to really help them uncover what are the beliefs they have about themselves, the fears, the insecurities, the doubts that are really getting in their head as they dance and inhibiting them from being present in the studio, being confident being able to focus well and to perform at their personal best level consistently. So I help them uncover those things. And then once they're able to feel resolved about those aspects of their current mindset that are holding them back, I help them to actually adopt strategies to step into confidence, to perform well consistently, to tap back into that joy, that ballet has once given them before, you know, they probably became really serious about it and learned, oh, in order to be a good dancer, you have to look this way and do, you know, the the deeper you get in the industry, the more um, tempting it is to feel inadequate. So anyway, that's, that's a bit of what I do now for dancers. And I really am so grateful that God has led me to this place. And the way I got here really is that throughout my journey, I kind of went through well, many different instances in my, my journey as a dancer where I recognized how my mindset was impacting my performance, either very positively or very negatively. And also my mental health, like my emotions, even my physical health. I saw how so many different struggles I was experiencing at times was actually coming from my mind. For example, um, I used to be, as a teenager, actually pretty confident in my abilities. It was probably coming out of ignorance. So (laughs) I just, I used to be able to turn really well. And I just thought, oh yeah, of course I could do this. Anytime I would see a trick on the internet, I would try it. And I think I'd just kind of been in this protected environment where no one had told me you can't do something. But then when I finally got to go to a year round program at Houston Ballet Academy. 
I was so grateful to be able to go. I'm still very grateful for my experience. And my first year was really positive, actually. My second year was much harder. And it's because I was in the top level of the program. And I was with a particular teacher who put so much pressure on us to be virtually perfect. And the pressure was for me personally, literally unbearable. And the mental pressure I was going through um, because I, I was honestly so terrified to make a mistake in front of her. And also she had built up the significance of, well, instead of significance, I'll say the consequences of if you make a mistake in a company audition, they will cross your name out. If you um, mess up as you perform, you will never be considered for the second company. If you cry in rehearsal one day, basically it was insinuated that you're weak and you really need to get a grip and you're probably not cut out for this. So the, the consequences I was perceiving for every little thing I did built up to such an enormous pressure in my mind to where um, all of a sudden this knee injury that had honestly been healed for many years, it came back really terribly. I started getting all sorts of freak injuries. I, um, as my mind disintegrated and what I mean by that is like my confidence as a person was at such an all time low that I started to like stumble over my words because I would get so nervous to talk to people. I, I perceived I was so incompetent that I couldn't talk to people. Whereas actually now I know that I'm a pretty competent person. <laughs> I don't say that in a prideful way, but you know, I can speak for myself and I can, I'm pretty smart and I can do lots of things. But at that time I was messing up things like pot de berets in a grand allegro. Mm. And, you know, like one experience like that, one mistake built on top of another until I was like, see, this is all proof that I really can't do this. And with those beliefs, it was a self-fulfilling prophecy. You know, I, I would get so terrified to perform that, I mean, I built up such insane stage, or not stage anxiety, um, what is it? Performance anxiety. I was trying to mix stage fright and performance anxiety. <laughs> um, that honestly, I just wanted to cease to exist before a show every time. It took me about three years to enjoy performing again. I love rehearsing. I love taking class, but the second it turned into, oh, now I need to do a good job mm -hmm. and this is it. All that pressure would come back. All those memories from my time with that teacher. So that was an experience where I recognized, especially once I got freedom from that situation and I started to feel comfortable in my environment again, when I was in college, I recognized that the only thing that really changed was my mind. <laughs> I mean, other than I was removed from that scenario, right. but this, the scenario was really one in which my mind was just being triggered into those old things. It, it's not like my capabilities changed, yeah. my mind changed. And there were so many times like that as a dancer where I was slowly coming to understand that, wow, your mind as a performer is either one of your greatest assets or your greatest enemy. <laughs> and what I was so frustrated by is that um, when I, I visited a therapist 
I mean, far fewer times than I should have, to be honest, <laughs> after that experience. But, and I appreciated the experience. But what I was, um, I felt a disconnect in is that this person didn't understand the ballet world. Mm-hmm. And I felt as if I had to explain myself so much that it's almost like I couldn't just relax and say what I wanted to say, yeah. which is so important in that kind of relationship. And then also that in the ballet world, we're told be confident. And it's like, how, how, and, and the teacher will say something like, you can't care what people think, but that's hypocritical because it's like, wait, you want me to care what you think. Right. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. And then people say things like, well, ballet is so, it's just as mental as it is physical. Well, great. Who's helping me with my mind? Nobody, <laughs> literally nobody. <laughs> um, so w- what's amazing is I didn't have the idea to be that person for others um, until after I really had to stop pretty suddenly because my knee health was so bad. I couldn't dance. Um, So I I let go of my professional career, which was really sad um, leading up to it. But once I made the decision, I felt such freedom Mm -hmm. in where God was leading me. And I had no idea what I was going to do. Literally no idea. And all these doors were closing for other professional opportunities and other career paths. Um, and it's really such a long story. I'll have to keep it really short, but um, <laughs> essentially God put me in this path. And I have no doubts about that. Mm-hmm. Why? Because I have never heard, I never knew what coaching was. I had kind of heard of life coaching. and I was like, that sounds dumb. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was actively trying to pursue a career in like an office job or something. All these doors were closing And it was my sister who decided at the same time, she was going through a career transition. She wanted to be a career coach. And so I was like, what's this coaching thing? (laughs) And so it just through a series of really crazy, miraculous events, I ended up signing up for the same coaching certification program that she was doing. I had no idea I was going to make it my career. I was just like, this seems cool. All right, (laughs) let's go. I don't have anything else to do with my life. So it (laughs) seems like some direction to go in. Uh, which I would recommend to any dancer in, in the midst of a transition, like reflect for a while, but then just pick something, go like move forward in some direction. Yeah. Well, I want to back up just a little bit. Cause you talked about going to college too. So yeah. what did you study in college? And then like, is that helping you now? Or do you, Oh yeah. Like so, I, I mean, I have a degree okay. as well. So just, I, I think I'm always a huge champion. Like dancers can be educated yeah. and have careers too. <laughs> You can be pretty and smart. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I studied um, ballet at the University of Utah. So my degree ended up being a BFA in ballet, and then I got a minor in business administration. So what I find so hilarious, and I just love to share with people, is that I happen to own a business today. But in my business education at the University of Utah, quite frankly, I use none of it. My <laughs> ballet education was the most useful um, thing I've spent money on or rather I mean I'm very fortunate I like to be honest my parents provided for my education that's such a blessing I'm so grateful to them I tell them all the time so my parents money (laughs) but um, it was it's been something that like for example the kinesiology classes in college um, I use that knowledge every single day as a ballet teacher, it helps me to actually break down 
how to have good technique and to say it in a way that makes sense with all different ages of students. Um, I was, I took pedagogy classes. So learning how to teach and that taught me so much. It's not something you, you can't just like take the classes that you're taking now as an advanced dancer and give it to some teenager. Like you need to have some sort of philosophy for why you're doing what you're doing Mm -hmm. and how to teach. Um, And there were so many other experiences I had as a ballet major that enriched me so much as a person. And it really taught me to think Mm -hmm. um, and to examine what is my point of view as a dancer, as a teacher. At that point, I had no ambitions to teach, but I just think it's amazing that my art degree I have used every single day and it's led me to an extremely fulfilling career as a dancer. And now as a mindset coach, like I use that knowledge to coach dancers who are currently, you know, pursuing a professional career. And then also as a ballet teacher, use it constantly. And um, I'm grateful that, you know, God also provides financially through these, these ways of working. And so I'm an advocate that, Hey, if an arts degree makes sense for a person, it can actually be a great investment. Yes, <laughs> for sure. Um, so we're running up a little bit on time for this mm-hmm. one, but we are going to have Kirsten back yes. um, for another episode. But before, as we close this one out, just tell us what do you wish you knew as a young dancer that you know now? I will echo my previous point that <laughs> ballet is a gift from God. It is a good thing. Um, I think a lot of dancers, myself included, have worried or do worry that it's a very selfish pursuit because you do have to focus on yourself quite a bit. Um, But ballet, again, it can be something that absolutely glorifies God based off of how you go about it, what your intentions are, why you do it. Do you do it to um, seek the honor that comes from God or that comes from man? Will you let your ballet teachers tell you who you are? Um, You know, particularly the ones that aren't very encouraging. Will you measure your your self-worth based off of how good your feet are for ballet or how high your extensions are? Or will you um, say that God determines my value as a person. God is the only being worthy of our affection and our worship and our trust for that matter. Mm-hmm. A future in ballet is not trustworthy. Don't trust the ballet industry. Don't trust, don't trust it. It's, it's not going to give back to you because it's an impersonal being created by man. But we can use this to glorify God, to trust our futures, um, that are they're in God's hands and also know that God cares. He knows what we care about. He knows we love ballet. And so if you have anxiety around what will my future in ballet be, am I good enough to achieve my goals? You know, that's a very real fear. I'm so sorry. My cat is being so loud, (laughs) but um, in the end, Trust that, yes, you are to be a good steward of your path. You're to work hard, to focus, and to do what you can. But honestly, worship God, put ballet next, and uh, God will guide your path. And he does care about you, you know, having your passion. So you can trust him in that. Cool. Thanks so much, Kirsten.
You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the Bluebird Uncaged podcast. For more information about Bluebird Uncaged, including tickets for upcoming performances, joining our online community, or how you can get involved in future Bluebird projects, visit our website at bluebirduncaged.com.